This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode two of the Real EFL's League Two uh, look back on the games of yesterday. Wow, what a weekend it has been from an Accrington Stanley chairman coming out saying he no longer wants to be at, at the club to the Colchester United manager losing his job. Yes, we're going to go through all of that today. Uh, I am your host for the show today. I am Matt and I am joined by Charlie. This Hello, Charlie. How are you doing today? Hello. Yeah, I'm really good. There was a, a bit of turmoil after the game yesterday and plenty on the pitch as well. So there's lots to get through, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And well, look, let's get started with our game of the day yesterday. Uh, that was Bradford versus Wrexham. Final score 1-1. Uh, so Phil Parkinson, it was his second return to Bradford in almost seven years. Uh, the former history-making manager for five years uh, at Bradford. He uh, Last time he went back was with Bolton one month after leaving uh, Bradford for them uh, and uh, coming from uh, uh, two goals down to draw late on. The game yesterday at Wrexham finished one all with Mullin and, uh, on the score sheet for Wrexham and Wilson on the score sheet for Bradford. So, Charlie, did you watch the game? What did you think of it? Yeah, it was it was a really really exciting one all draw actually. So it's it's quite fitting that even before the game yesterday, we'd chosen this as the game of the day, hadn't we, Matt? It's it is look when you've got Wrexham. Wrexham, we already know, very similar to Notts County. We've spoken about it a lot before. They can score, but they are also quite leaky in defence. And I thought that was a little bit evident again yesterday. There seemed to be plenty of space in both defences actually. And again, I just Wrexham look anything but composed when they're trying to play it around the back four or, or when Bradford, for example, were attacking. But that's but we can't take anything away from Bradford. They were really, really strong yesterday. In fact, I saw many a comment and I wouldn't necessarily disagree in the fact that they could have potentially gone on to win the game. You know, the, the goal that they scored as well, Adam Wilson, he levelled it. He had seven Wrexham players, I think I counted, right around him whilst he had to get the shot off and the power he managed to get off was absolutely incredible. Um, so I think Bradford 
could be really, really pleased with that. You know, it's another point. Okay, yeah, it's not a win, but it's another point under Kevin McDonald. At what point do people start questioning whether or not he's getting the job full time? Don't jump on that thought too quick because we're going to come back to that in a second. But yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, look, the the the, the one thing I will say, with, especially with that Wilson goal, is um, you can kind of see he did get a bit of a lucky bounce, uh, you know, from from that ball, uh, but. You know that 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 thunderbolt into that net that was some goal and and, and it was you know it was a goal worthy to draw a level for the game. I've got to talk about though the uh, goal uh, from uh, Mullin as well. Um, now the reason why I'm bringing this up, I just feel um, Hallander. I can't, uh, can't think of his first name off the top of my head, but he should have done so much better actually uh, getting in front of Mullin to win mm-hmm. that ball. Um, uh, you know, you, you, look when you've got a striker like Paul Mullin on the pitch, you can't kind of give him that half a yard that, that he seemed to have. And, uh, you know, it was a really well-taken header. And, um, you know, that Paul Mullin is is definitely a, a player to watch out in this league, isn't he? Well, yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing, that there was there was another chance that Paul Mullin had quite early on in the game um, before any goals had, had been scored. Was, I mean, was that the diving header you're talking yes. about? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and don't get me wrong, I feel like he maybe could have, Done better, but the amount of space he seemed to have at the back post to be able to to get to get a header off, Bradford, you know, they had to lock him down a little bit better than they did. I think defensively they were a little bit too leaky yesterday. You know, the, as you already mentioned, the goal sort of proves that, and that early chance as well. You know, but but at the same time, can't take anything away from Paul Mullin. He knows how to put the ball in the back of a net, and he did that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I say I think a striker with Paul Mullins' uh, ability, I said, you give him that half a yard, mm-hmm. he's going to take advantage. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you said the, the diving header that he had in that first half, you mm-hmm. know, but he, again, he stole that half yard, he managed to get there and, uh, you know, it was unfortunate he didn't score. Um, so, Charlie, here's a, here's a quick question for you then. Uh, I actually had it over two uh, uh, questions, but I'm going to roll it into one. So, do you think Bradford need that sort of Phil Parkinson style of manager or, you know, look, is Kevin McDonald sort of the perfect fit for the Bantrams at the moment? Because there does seem to be a real togetherness uh, at Bradford on that pitch. So do you, do you think they go for sort of someone a bit more gritty or, or do you think, look, Kevin McDonald's doing such a good opportunity, uh, sorry, doing such a good job, sorry, at the moment at Bradford, do you, do you give it to him? Well, I, I agree in the fact that sometimes, and realistically, to get out of this league, you you, you need one or the other, but it's very rare that you can do it without both. And that's often, that's often the thing. Now, I think that Kevin McDonald, can, Kevin McDonald, if I can spit me words out, I believe that he's got the opportunity to grow into somebody who can be more of a get-in-your-face, be more gritty, whilst also playing some really nice football, which is what Bradford are doing. And I what you've got to think about with Bradford, realistically, you, you sort of say, what kind of manager do they want? They've got to just look at their recent history and think about some of the managers they've had more recently in League Two. And then they've got to throw that form book out and say, nope, we need something totally different. And I think Kevin McDonald is the perfect opportunity for them to do that. I wasn't necessarily sort of saying he should be their manager when he first came in to be caretaker. just assumed, well, this is just a, a little caretaker opportunity whilst they're trying to look for somebody else. But nobody else has come in. They're performing really, really well. You know, the Cowleys have been linked with them for quite a while now. I think I do believe they're favourites as of recording this, um, or at least they have been over the last few days. But I also don't necessarily see them going into that job. And I'm sure now that I've said that, I will get proven wrong. 
but I don't necessarily see that one happening. So could Kevin McDonald take this team into League One? Very potentially. And, you know, they, they are 11th. They're only three points off the playoffs. They're on a really good run. Who knows where they'll be in the next few weeks? Well, so could Kevin McDonald be that perfect fit for the Bantrams? Currently, Bradford are uh, 11th in the league and Wrexham are currently sat in fourth. So on to our next game now. This is Newport County versus Walsall. Now, um, I did find out uh, after doing my bit of research that Newport County boss Graham uh, Coolahan did uh, reveal that he did try to sign Freddie Draper. And was he going to come back to haunt him? Oh, well, yes. it finished Newport County 3, Walsall 3. So, Charlie, talk us through the game. Um, look, so for those of you that didn't hear this podcast last week, I am a Lincoln City fan. Um, and, yeah, so mm. I'm, I'm afraid Newport fans, I'm not really going to be doing any analysis of how you guys played. I'm just going to be talking about how Freddie Draper's the best striker since sliced bread. Uh, no, look, um, there was... I'll, I'll actually start with Newport before I do start sort of swooning over Freddie Draper. They actually had some really, really nice finishing in this game, some really tidy finishing, something that they've maybe struggled with so far this season. But they were but they were nice um, and clinical. They, got, they scored some really nice goals. You know, they're, they're 19th now, five clear of the relegation zone. It was a good point for them on, on Friday night, and they can be really happy. Um, we'll then go on to, to Walsall. So before, again, before I mention Freddie himself, Walsall have now scored 10 goals in their last five games, but that was only actually in three of the games. They had a 4-0 loss and an 0-0 draw in there as well. You know, they, they do know how to score, but unfortunately they do know how to concede. And yeah, uh, Friday night was uh, kind of the epitome of that, wasn't it? I looked through a lot of the stats for Walsall, and although 13th is maybe slightly lower than some of their attacking and some of their defensive stats would maybe suggest they should be, maybe they should be, you know, they were kind of between sort of seventh and tenth in most kind of stats. So you'd think that at some point it might level it out and they might move up a few places. But the thing is, they're not extraordinary in any area. So they really are going to need to improve basically across the pitch or at least in a singular area to make them stand out. If they want to get anywhere near the playoffs, there's a, you know, as I said, they can score great, but they can also concede. And it's something we talk about a lot. But at the same time, their scoring ability isn't as consistent as what they've maybe wanted to be. So there is the improvement there for Walsall. But I do definitely think there's a possibility for them to, to move up the table. But it's about how what their limit is, is purely going to depend on what they can do now to improve over the next few weeks. So now that I've spoken about Walsall and Newport, I'm just going to talk about Freddie. Freddie Draper has now got eight goals in this league, a hat-trick on Friday night. He Lincoln fans are absolutely hating the fact we can't recall him until at the least January. Whether that happens or not, you know, uh, I've seen some Warsaw fans absolutely beg us not to. Um, look, if I was you guys, I definitely wouldn't want him to be recalled. And as a Lincoln fan, I actually would prefer to keep him at Walsall. And I say that quietly because he could do an absolute job for us, but I would quite like to see him stay there for the whole season because I feel like he's the sort of player that can help propel you up into those higher positions. Again, if you could just sort out a few of those little little areas, Freddie Draper's the sort of player that could be playing in a League 2 playoff, League 2 playoff team come May. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I'm looking through um, my notes and um, I've just, uh, the, he scored uh, yeah, 16th minute, 53rd minute and then the mm -hmm. 90 plus 6th minute. <laughs> 
Um, and I'm just writing down my notes. I've, I've, I've written up for the first goal. I thought, you know, the goalkeeper should have done a lot better, to be honest. But you know, when you're in that position, you've, as a striker, you've still got to take, uh, take your chances. Uh, mm -hmm. The second goal he scored was a really, really well compo composed finish yes. from him. Um, uh, the third goal, his hat-trick um, <laughs> goal. So this is what I put on my notes, just so I'm, I'm loving the fact the goalkeeper came up. Uh, I thought that <laughs> yeah. was brilliant. Uh, but the fact that Walsall kept that ball alive and he was in the right place at the right time. And that's what good strikers do. Well, this is the thing, because we, we have a conversation. So at Lincoln at the minute, I'll, I'll kind of just talk through the context behind this conversation I had over the weekend. At Lincoln at the minute, we're playing a one-striker formation. And I believe what you know, Walsall often play too. So the conversation was, well, what if he can only do it in a two-striker formation when he's next to somebody else? Well, for me, the evidence against that point is the weekend. Or is Friday night because what those three goals were the epitome of a striker's hat trick. He got one, like you say, where he was yes, okay, right place, right time, but he was able to bundle that ball into the back of the net. Another one where it was a low cross and he managed to flick the ball into the net. Brilliant. And then obviously, you know, the middle one, the second goal was when he's been put through on goal and he's able to beat the keeper in a one one on one. So what he has done is he scored three perfect strikers finishes to the point where he's showing off a real rounded game. <laughs> the lad's only 19 still. A lot of Lincoln fans wrote him off when he was 17, saying he's just not good enough. He's proven them wrong now. He really is. Yeah, I mean, he certainly is. Uh, look, I, I, I'm going to talk about Newport as well here. So um, I've, I've got to say that the first goal that uh, Newport scored uh, four minutes, which was uh, Morris, I believe, um, I thought there was a really, really worked goal by uh, by uh, Newport themselves. Uh, the bow, bow ball just flicking it off to him, and then that was an mm. absolute thunderbolt into that top right hand goal, oh. uh, top corner. Um, I do think the goalkeeper might, you know, should have done a little bit bit better and might be quite annoyed he got beaten at his near post. But what a goal that was! Mm. It really was. Um, and this is the thing: I think Newport scored three really, really nice goals on Friday night, and it's something that they've kind of struggled with a little bit in the fact of, you know, in being clinical, but being able to to score, not just goals, but score them well, is uh, definitely definitely a good sign for Newport fans. Absolutely. So I'm going to get into a couple of questions then. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I think, I think you might be able to answer this one quite easily. Uh, obviously, you know, you know how good uh, Freddie Draper is, but... Mm. Do you think this team, you know, this Walsall team are going to drop down the league if he was to go back to Lincoln? Um, oh, that's a tough one. I don't think they will drop. So they're 13th at the minute, aren't they? I don't think they will drop down lower than 13th, but I think they will drop down from where they'll be in January because I think they're going to rise up a few places before then. Right. Okay. No, that's, that's a fair question. Yeah, as a, as a fair answer. Sorry, I just said that. For me, for me I, I do think, uh, you know, that their team, as much as people might like to think is based around him, it, it's not. They, they have got quite a good squad and uh, I've seen a, people, a few uh, people uh, a bit worried, but I, I don't think, you know, I think he's quite good. Uh, but look, uh, the next question then, so look, obviously, you know, the manager merry-go-round has already started. So look, is Graham Coolahan's job potentially on the line? There's, there's always a worry when a team is as low down. As, as Newport are, that the manager is going to go. I don't think it's going to be yet, but they're going to have to pick up results in the next three. If they if they start getting two, 
two more or, or even three more losses within sort of the next four games, something like that, then there's a major question to be asked. But I don't think immediately there's uh, there's a sack on the way. No, no, yeah, yeah I'd, 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 I'd hope not because I think he's doing. I, I know, I think bearing in mind the kind of budget Newport have got, I think he's mm. he's actually doing an okay job there, and I, I think he'd keep them safe if they just stick with him and 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 put their faith in him. Um, so well, on that, I've got to say, Matt Sadler, look, it's his first season as a head coach. Uh, how impressed have you been with his uh, with his coaching ability so far? Yeah, really impressed actually, and this is what I mean. I think. Warsaw aren't exactly a team that anybody was going to be expecting to get into the playoffs this season. And I don't necessarily see them getting in there. But what Matt Sadler has been able to do is he's been able to get a, a good squad of players. Not necessarily a great squad. Obviously, Freddie Draper apart, you know, he's the best player in the world. Um, but apart from sort of, you know, a couple of really standout players, they've got a solid, good squad. Um, and I think he's been able to get the best out of them, which is something that you need to be able to do as a manager and lead to. And it puts him in really good stead and gives him really helps raise his reputation. Oh, perfect. Well, look, as it stands, we that leaves Newport 19th in the league. Walsall are currently sat 13. So on to our next game now. This is Tranmere. This was again on uh, Friday night. Tranmere versus Doncaster. Tranmere won, Doncaster two. Two teams that were struggling uh, sort of in the lower half of the table coming up against each other. Don't know if you had a chance to watch the game, Charlie, but I did, and I actually, I actually quite enjoyed the game. I actually thought it was it was quite an enjoyable game. Um, I do understand where Tranmere's uh, fans are going to come from when they say, you know, obviously they're a bit worried this season. I understand that, but actually, I don't think the display was that of a team that are, are going to come the end of the season be in trouble. What do you think? No, definitely not. I think there are, you know, with all due respect to every team in this league, I think there are. A good few worse teams in Tranmere. They play. They play some really nice football. Um, you know, there's obviously a question mark on some of the defending, but I think you can actually ask that on most of the uh, most teams in this league. It's just about being able to shore up at the back. And actually, if if a team is able to do that, then they'll quite easily stay up and probably get an upper mid table spot. But yeah, no, they play. They did play some really nice football. As did Donny. It was a really, really good game of League Two football. Yeah, I, I thought it was. Um, going through the timeline of the game, so uh, Biggins uh, scored for Doncaster in the 27th minute. I thought it was a great cutback from the dead ball line. Uh, and he found himself in so, so much space to be able to sweep the ball home. <laughs> yeah. But again, when you're in the right place at the right time, you, you know, you've got to take advantage, and he did. Um, and then something... Uh, and Okay, we're going to come back to this next incident. Oh, okay. We'll come okay. back to that. We'll talk about the goals first. We'll talk about the goals. Uh, then a foul scored uh, for Doncaster in the 57th. Uh, there was a lovely ball over the top from the goalkeeper. Uh, unfortunately, the defender just completely misjudges the ball. Mm. Uh, foul has then just the keeper to beat, and he lifts it over him. And again, it was a beautifully, uh, beautiful taken goal. Uh, and then uh, Jennings scored for Tramway in the 70th minute. A goal for the edge of the box, the first time strike, which captures the keeper off guard, uh, rocketed to the back of the net. Um, and the game finished 2-1. But the incident. So, uh, Grant McCann, uh, he found himself getting sent off for kicking the ball away. Um, now, if a player kicks a ball away on the football pitch, yeah, does he get sent off or does he get booked? Can you just answer me that? I'm not too sure. It, the last time I checked, they only get booked. Um, so why did he get sent off? <laughs> one rule for one, one <laughs> rule for another. You know, 
look, it, it really, really confused me because I mean, kicking, kick, even saying kicking the ball away is a little bit harsh. It's not like he booted it to the other side of the stadium. It, you look, know, he, he slightly sort of rolled his foot just to where uh, mm. to allow it to go down the line a little bit. Yeah, red. I, I really, really struggle to understand. I mean, look at um, Gillingham last week. How could a red card be given for kicking the ball away, and you know, a same red card being given for tripping up? You know, trying to take out one of the Walsall players last week. There's no real consistency. I'm just really struggling to understand what it is. Is this a referee thinking there was more to it? Did the referee want to make it a little bit about him? I, I really hope that Grant McCann doesn't get much, if any, touchline ban for that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that they, they, they won't. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Doncaster are going to repeal it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I said it's just a very weird call. And and look, I, and I've got to say this: this is not a dig at you know every referee in the country at all. But <laughs> I think the standard of League Two refereeing compared to last year is slightly better, but it won't ever be at its best across the entire football league unless we have full-time referees at all levels. Mm -hmm. we got full-time footballers. Why can't the referees yeah. be full? If they were full-time and that was their full, full job, was just to referee, I think the standard of football refereeing would be better. But look, it, it's happened. It's a very, very weird incident. And obviously, Donny fans, I'm sure you're going to be uh, screaming the place down because I said, like, it, it, for me, it was never a red card incident. If anything, yeah, book him. Um, so look, I'm going to chuck a couple of questions for you. Um, obviously, look, we've talked about the Grant McCann incident, but uh, Tranmere fans, we know that they're kind of feeling the worst. It's only three wins from 14. Um, you've got some people calling from the owner to sell up. Uh, but look, can the blame be solely put on Mark Payos? It's a really difficult one because I think, first of all, can somebody help me out? What is the situation with their manager? Because obviously, Nigel Adkins has come in. But is he caretaker? Is he permanent? Because I'm see, I'm hearing two different he, answers. He's, I believe he's interim <laughs> manager. Well, that, that's I think what I, that, that is the official is, title. This is what I thought, but that doesn't seem to be working, does it? You know, with all due respect, that just does not seem <laughs> to be working. But then are they on the hunt for a manager? There's so many question marks around Tranmere at the minute. And the longer that goes on, and let's be honest, they're sat in 21st at the minute, the longer that goes on, the worse the situation is going to get because the players, you know, they do get distracted by what's happening off the field. The, you know, what, what's going to happen in January? What if Nigel Atkins is still in charge in January? Is Are they going to allow him to make signings for, for him? Or are they going to want to make signings for a new head coach who they want to bring in with a certain play style? And then if they have a poor January, unfortunately, they may start slipping even further. So there's too many questions for me surrounding Tranmere at the minute that makes it a really, really difficult one, first of all, to analyse, but also a really difficult one for them to figure out, how oh, actually, where do we go from here? What are the next steps? We can talk about what needs to happen, but in the short term, how do they fix this? Yeah, so I do believe, obviously, Nigel Atkins uh, has actually come out and said he doesn't want to be in charge permanently. You know, he's happy just being an interim manager for the time being while they look for somebody, but he's been in charge for quite a few games now, and, you know... Are Tranmere actively looking for a manager? Are they hoping one will just fall into their lap? What, what's going on there? Well, this um, is the question. 
Yeah, it's it's a very weird. So you know, you get and I say I have seen a lot of uh, the lot of fans calling for the owner to you know to sell up and move on. Uh, but whether it is is it him to blame? Is it you know that no one is attracted to want to go to Tranmere? I, I don't know, but whatever it is, something definitely needs to change. Um, but look, let's move on to another quick question here. So uh, Mo Fowl, so he, look, he's been hitting in the headlines mm. uh, with his performances of late. Uh, look, how good could sorry, how good could this twenty-year-old uh, West Brom loney be? Really, really good. This is the second week in a row where I've watched a good bit of Doncaster, and last week he really, really impressed me, and this week even more so. You know, they they won four-one last last week, and he was. Well, it, it, it was the Mofile show. He was absolutely incredible. He got the goal that he deserved. And obviously, he's done it again this week. I, I think Doncaster uh, are only going to improve this season. I think they're only going to pick up. And I think Mofile is going to be one of the players at the centre of that. So they've got a really good player on their hands here. And obviously, they're going to want to make sure that they can keep him for the whole season. Yeah, I think that was going to be my, sort of my, my next thing is, you know, do, do you think... You know they're going to be able to keep him, or do you? You know, I, I've seen it happen with uh, as a Jules mm -hmm. fan, where you know you get these players coming on loan, and you think you've got them for the whole season, and then January comes, and all of a sudden they've been shipped off to a higher team, a team higher up in the league or in another division because they're performing that well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he is some talent, and uh, I've got to say, uh, you know, for 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 all you sort of Doncaster fans out there, you must be absolutely loving watching him play at the moment because <laughs> i you know even me watching the highlights of him he just he looks so so good and mm. i'll be honest i'm a little bit jealous uh but look, after that uh to obviously doncaster winning 2-1 uh tranmere currently sit in 21st doncaster in 17. so on to our next game this is sutton united versus morecambe the final score finish Sutton united 2 morecambe 3. Uh, so we had goals from uh, Mellon uh, and Mayer for uh, sorry and uh, Senior for uh, Morecambe and Smith and uh, Good uh, Good Life or was it Good Life? I, I, I could never get out to pronounce it for Sutton. Look, it was yeah, it was a really fun game actually. Um, Morecambe went two 0 up uh, in in uh, sort of in the first mm. half uh, in first half stoppage time. Uh, and then uh, right before literally the final, uh, the, the halftime whistle, Sut uh, Sutton scored to make it 2-1 at halftime. And I thought Sutton were really going to make a go of this. And they came out in the second half. And I actually thought they were, they did really well in that second half. They were really uh, pushing. They didn't look like a team that were languishing down near the bottom of the league. They looked like a team that were, you know, sort of comfortably, I would say. Um, and they got it back to 2 all. And had it not been... Um, for I would say some poor defending in the dying moments uh, from Sutton uh, mm. with players just backing off and allowing a shot to happen. I think Sutton could have got a good draw out of this and and, and it would have been deserved. But um, Senior who scored in the, it was 90 plus one. Uh, they just kept backing off, backing off, backing off. Um, I'm, I will say I think the keeper might have been unsighted, but the same time again top right hand corner it looked like it was only a few few inches away from his his hand so maybe you could have done slightly better um but it was such a shame because i thought sutton saying that second half they came out with a real kind of grit and determination that you know they were going to get something from this game yeah it's probably one of those that realistically if sutton weren't bottom of the table sort of a few points adrift then actually they maybe would have held on to that draw and it sounds daft but it, it, it's one of those things where actually, you know, 
confidence is a massive thing in football. So stepping off, not wanting to take your man, doing that in the dying minutes, you can't do it. You really shouldn't be doing it. It's very inexcusable. But at the same time, if you were going to expect a team to do it, you would probably expect the team in the last place to do it. it. It's a really, really tough one for Sutton. I very much hope they stay up, but it's kind of difficult at the minute just to see whether or, you know, are we really expecting them to be able to go ahead and beat that many teams at the minute? You know, they've got a minus 14 goal difference. They've conceded most in the league. You know, don't get me wrong, they've, they, they can score a few, but bear in mind, they, they did get a... Uh, they did get a 4-0 win against Walsall a couple of weeks back. But, like I say, they can, they can score. But the problem is, is again, and God was saying this about every team, the defence. They are just a little bit too leaky. They're going to need a couple of wins on the board to try and get some confidence going. But I feel fear if they don't get them soon, then they're going to find themselves five, six, seven, eight points adrift at the bottom of the table. And then it's... that, that Unfortunately, there becomes no way up from them. Then you can't win the league in the first 20 matches but you can certainly find yourself in a very very bad situation and I fear that if Sutton don't pick up and it literally is now if they do not pick up now then they're going to find themselves stranded I, I will say in their defence as a Gillingham fan if you can't remember what <laughs> happened to us last year uh, yeah, up until yeah, December yeah. we had only scored seven goals yeah. uh, was it one win all season um, and look, we managed to claw ourselves to safety but we were lucky we did get bought out by uh, some new owners so uh, we, we were quite lucky had that not happened we could have been facing national league uh, in the uh, in, in the face and I, I'm kind of a bit worried for Sutton that that could be happening now look uh, talking about the goals I've got to say the first the uh, melon penalty that he scored I I'm I'd be finding it, find it hard pressed for anyone to come up and tell me that that was definitely a penalty. I kind of mm. felt like the player fell over and the referee bought it. That, I've got to say that. I've got to say, um, you know, it, it convinced me I'm wrong. That's fine. But for <laughs> me, no, it didn't look like a, a, a penalty. Um, then the, the second goal um, that Mayer scored, um, it was it, it just really weird. I don't know if you've seen it. The, the, the players literally just slid right past him as he's cut back and you know but he's a good couple of foot away from the player so like why was he trying to mm. slide in to try and block a potential shot i don't know was he going for the tackle it was you know uh it was very weird and then but look i mean it was uh it was hit with pace uh obviously popped straight past the goalkeeper into the bottom right hand corner it was a well-taken goal i will give him that but yeah it was a bit bit poor defending and, and this is where i think i'm feeling for Sutton at the moment because i think obviously defending like that i've seen it firsthand it does only leave you in one place and that is near the foot of the table. Mm. And, and unfortunately for Sutton, that is happening at this moment. I'll, I'll say I will give credit going forward. They do look a threat, but yeah, defensively, this is their big issue. And I am, I am a bit worried. So the question I, I did have kind of lined up then for, for this is for you guys, are Sutton doomed or, or do you think there is still hope? I don't want to use the word doomed this early on in the season because you know you brought up you brought up Gillingham yourself. I don't really think we can ever say doomed, but it is a we're getting close to a bit of a do or die in the sense that they are going to need to start picking things up very soon. And like I say, it's all well and good being you know showing some promise going forward. That, that you know the middle of the road in terms of the amount of goals they've scored, and that's great. If you 
if you're not leaking goals left, right and centre. And the fact they've conceded 33 so far, you know, in 14 matches, that's not sustainable. So they need to sort that out first. If they can keep their attacking intent whilst becoming a little bit more defensive, then brilliant. They'll find themselves in mid-table. But if they are, but if they then go too far the other way, then that's an issue. So the thing is with Sutton is they need to fix their problems without it impacting their strengths. And that's something that's very, very difficult to do. But like I say, it realistically has to happen now. Yeah, yeah, I say it does. I, say, I do feel, you know, uh, there is a slight hint of, of Gillingham going on potentially there, you know, with, with how bad we were at the start of the season. And I do hope, because I, I like Sun, I actually quite like going to their ground. It's a lovely little ground. I don't know if you've ever been, but um, I, I do hope, you know, they can potentially fight off. But I am starting to get a bit worried because of just how defensively, uh, legally, sorry, their defence is. Uh, but look, after that uh, fight, that game, that leaves Sutton in 24th, like the foot of the table. Morecambe are in 10. Uh, so look, we're going to move on to the next game. This was Accrington Stanley, MK Dons. Accrington Stanley winning 1-0. Where do we start with this one, Matt? Right, I, I'm going to start with MK Dons because I feel like it's going to be easier. <laughs> well, um, look, I'm going to start with a goal yeah. first. Uh, if, in fact, no, I'm not going to start with the goal first. I'm actually going to start chronologically and we're going to go all the way back to Tuesday. So on Tuesday, MK Dons appointed okay. Mike Williamson. So for the record, Mike Williamson, former Gates head manager, he's brought his assistant in as well, whose name escapes me at the minute. But I am really, really impressed with this as a managerial appointment. I, Lincoln, um, sat down manager Wednesday night and we, we all said damn it he's gone to MK Dons because we wouldn't have minded Mike Williamson coming into us he plays some really nice football possession but not just for the sake of possession they've had to deal with that a few seasons back haven't they and how Russell Martin's now at Southampton I'll never know but that's a different conversation look they they are really they're really attacking teams that Mike Williamson wants like I said, real possession football, trying to move through the thirds and play well. And you started to see glimpses of that on Saturday with uh, MK Dons. They weren't try they weren't just hoofing the ball up and playing it in the air as often as what they have been recently. Don't get me wrong, there has been a few sort of situations where they did that. But from what I can gather, Mike Williamson only had one real training session with the lads before travelling up to Accrington. So he's not going to suddenly be able to change everybody's play style overnight. That's just not going to happen. But you could just start to see little glimpses of the, of the good passing play and the patterns of play that he wants. So it's something that over time you expect them to progress. Now we'll go on to the actual goal on Saturday. So MK Dons did lose 1-0 to Accrington. And the one goal was it, was, it was Wally that scored, wasn't it? And I was so disappointed. I'm going to pick out one MK Dons player here. Um, I was really disappointed with Alex Gilby. So Alex Gilby got dispossessed. And he then just stood there. Let the Accrington man not, not run away. But slowly meander, looking for an option. And boom, he found it. And normally got the goal. But Alex, yeah, like I said, I was really, really disappointed in Alex Gilby allowing that to happen. Accrington... Were good. MK Dons had lots of chances. 
but they just could not seem to hit the back of the net. And I think, unfortunately, that's a sentence that's been said about Mo Issa a few too many times. And it happened again on Saturday. He just could not seem to score. There were chances where it looked like it was harder for him to miss than score, but he still managed to prove us wrong anyway. Probably quite disappointed for the MK Dons fans. Accrington, they, they did what they did well. They could then... I was going to say, could that just be that, that that's a striker who you can clearly see is that level of confidence? Absolutely. And I think it's very difficult you know. just to say that he's not good enough in any sense like that, because that's not fair. But I, I 100% agree. They do need confidence. But at the same time, they also probably need to be able to, and, and I think this is going to be the case at Mike Williamson, but they're going to need to be able to get goals from all across the pitch. And this is the thing, I think, with MK Dons, they're only going to start moving up the table now because I think they're going to be able to fix their problems with a manager in who plays a play style that suits those players. The appointment of Graham Alexander in the summer for MK Dons was the biggest mistake that they could have made. And this is no disrespect to Graham Alexander, but he does not suit the players that they have. A manager like Mike Williamson, he does. So now they've kind of lost two and a half months, but hopefully they're going to be able to see a progression. Yeah, I mean, I, I did look, uh, um, obviously, go through the game and watch it myself and um, looked at some of the stats. And, you know, they only had, MK Dons only had one shot on target mm. the entire game. I think it was 10, 10 shots in total, but one shot yeah. on target. Now, that has obviously been their, their biggest issue. But like you said, the passenger plays up until that point did seem mm. quite good. And I do think um, Andy Williams is, is a really good manager and he's going to be a good manager at this level. It's just going to take maybe a game or two for MK Dons to, to get this right. Um, I mean, I did write down for the goal that it was poor defending from MK Dons. Um, but for you know, for uh, was it Wade Wiley, wasn't it, to uh, mm. find that extra yard of space and then obviously lift the ball into the roof of the net again, you've still got to finish that. So, yes. the fact he's done that, I, I, I did see slightly better, say, bits of quality from MK Don. So, maybe you are starting to see it take effect, but it's gonna say just gonna take a few games, isn't it? Of course, it, it is well, absolutely, and you know. It, it's not It's not going to be a, a one night, even a one week, even a one month fix. But slowly but surely, you'll start to see Mike Williamson putting his stamp on MK Dons. And it's going to happen slowly but surely. But talking of managers and this game, I think we've got a, a little bit of a conversation to be had about a certain Andy Holt. Now, if anybody hasn't seen, just go and have a little look at Andy Holt's Twitter. There was... We'll, 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 give you, we'll, we'll give you a second just to have a quick look. Here you go. Yeah. There you go. That, that should be enough time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could just hear that. What the... Uh, from all the people listening. Look, Andy Holt has seemingly had a falling out with uh, John Coleman for something that John Coleman said to BBC Radio Lancashire along the lines of sort of saying that he wants a new contract and Andy Holt isn't giving it all of this. But it is now come out that Andy Holt has said that he's going to put the club up for sale. He says he's poured his heart, soul and money into Accrington just to be repaid in a terrible way from John Coleman. And he also made a comment the fact that John Coleman probably should have been sacked in the summer, but he gave him leeway. Um, so, yeah, Andy Holt has now put the club up for sale on Twitter. Oh, sorry, X. Um, so, yeah, look, you could probably, you could, well, in fact, no, you can very much say that Andy Holt shouldn't have 
done things in the way, in the mannerisms that he did. There was a lot of swear words used on Twitter and calling uh, fans and people certain names uh, that I saw. But at the same time, a lot of the fans also seem to be very much on Andy Holt's side. It's a really interesting situation. It'll be really interesting to see, Matt, when we do this next week, whether John Coleman will still be in a job. Yeah, it will be. I mean, look, first off, I, I do have to say some of what Andy Holt did say to some of the comments that he had was absolutely brilliant. I, they mm-hmm. were, you know... Oh, um, God. Because, yeah, I, I, and the thing is, look, if, if you're willing to turn around and say that to somebody, you've got to be willing to, for them to turn around and say something back. And John Holt yeah. did not hold back on some of them. So so Andy Holt did not hold back on, on some of them. But like, like you said, um, I, I, I think for him, it's probably all come to a head because obviously... John Coleman's come out and said, you know, he wants a new contract. Um, and he's obviously decided he can't offer him a new contract because he doesn't feel like he's going to be here. Mm. I think, I actually think John Coleman and the assistant, I think they're in the wrong for coming out and saying that. Um, I, I believe they should have tried to keep that all in-house. That's my opinion. And like you said, uh, I do generally think potentially we might have Accrington without a manager. And it would be quite funny if that happens because obviously Accrington <laughs> can't be seventh in the league, just like Gillingham when we got rid of our manager when we were seventh in the league. So yes. yeah, they might be, it might be a following trend there. Um, so look, I mean, I did have a couple of questions um, written down for this. The f- first one being um, Obviously, with MK Dons only having that one shot on target, is it going to be a difficult season? I, I, I personally don't think they're going to have a difficult season now. They've got, obviously, uh, Adam Williams mm. is going to get a chance to bed in with that team. Uh, but do you think it could be difficult? They're obviously in 18th at the moment. Do you think that's a false position? Yeah, f- yeah, they're gonna they're gonna rise up. As far as I'm concerned, I think they've got the man now in the dugout. They've got they've got a squad. They've got a strong squad. You know, it, it's not a complete squad. I think January they're going to want to make a couple of moves, but I don't see any reason why MK Dons won't start climbing up the table. Will they make it to the playoffs by the end of the season? That might be a bit of a stretch, but I definitely don't see them being anywhere near as low as 18. Uh, yeah, perfect. I, I said I, I do feel that they, their squad is good enough to be a lot higher up in that league, and I think mm. obviously, yeah, a couple of couple of games, couple of months, whatever. Get 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 uh, get the team working together, and I think they'll be up there. Um, so, last question I'm going to throw you on this one, uh, Andy Holt. Obviously, he has come out uh, as you said and said he's, the club is for sale. But do you think this is a good thing for the fo- for football in general? Because I'd be honest, look with the, some of the initiatives that Andy Holt has done. Uh, the the free kits for for uh, free uh, free shirts sorry for for fans I thought was a brilliant initiative um, and you know he is a I thought a brilliant brilliant chairman but do you think this could be a good thing for Accrington going forward though getting somebody in with a with fresh blood the thing is is it's a really difficult one because you can't really answer that until you get hindsight because Andy Holt. Andy Holt can be a bit of an eccentric character, can sometimes come out and say certain things, can sometimes have certain views that people don't agree with. But actually, like I say, there are many initiatives and many things that he does say that the wider fan bases do very much agree with. If you take that out and then you bring in an owner, maybe who has more money, but actually is less connected with the club, some might see that as a good thing, some might see it as a bad thing. Personally, I would maybe see that as a bad thing. Money doesn't always solve the problems. Don't get me wrong, it's nice. 
but at the same time you you often want to feel a connection with your with your chairman and I feel like a lot of Accrington fans have that with Andy Holt so there's a massive risk that if he does go and it wasn't just sort of bluster on social media and he actually does decide to sell the club that the Accrington fans are going to lose that and then it's a massive risk as to whether or not it works and they go up or it doesn't and they go down. Yeah, well, as things stand, we have Accrington are currently sat in seventh place and MK Dons are down in 18. Guys, we're going to have a quick ad break right now. So go get yourself a coffee or go and get yourself a cheeky beer or whatever it is and then come and join us in five. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realEFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back, guys. So we're going to move swiftly on to our next game. This is Stockport versus Grimsby Town. Our final score was Stockport 3, Grimsby Town 2. In another game that I have to say I think was a perfect advert for League 2 football. Charlie, what did you watch it? What did you think? Yeah, I, I, do you know what's funny? I think we're saying that quite often at the minute, aren't we? The, the proper adverts for... Uh... For league for league two football i've got to be honest i think one player that is going to get picked up on a lot in this league because let's be honest he's had a few chances in this division and the division above louis barry with another two goals in this game he is on fire this season he's really really found his rhythm um so really really positive for him i, I sort of laughed because like yourself Matt, I, I sort of watched it and i think it was six minutes in Obviously, uh, Stockport were, were winning, were one a lot, and the fans were chanting, "We are top of the league." How often are they going to be chanting that this season? Well, I'm going to come to a question later on, uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. honestly, I think they'll be shouting it quite yeah. a fair bit. Just just going through a bit of the timeline then in terms of the game. So Louis Barry scored from the penalty spot uh, after the sixth minute. Now. For me, I, I'm looking at it, I definitely look like a penalty to me. Uh, it was a really well-placed penalty as well into the bottom right-hand uh, side of the goalkeeper's goal. Um, and then Stockport went 2-0 up after eight minutes. So literally, you know, within the first 10, 10 minutes, they're 2-0 up. Uh, it was uh, 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 Odiaf. Uh, Odiafi? Uh, yes. That's how I think you say it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the but um you know look, I'm, I'm not picking uh gonna pick on any Grimsby Town player here specifically but they do look very weak in the tackle I will say but it was an excellent hold off uh, and then the placement and the finish uh was 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 great uh Stockport then had a chance to go three nil up uh but Oliafi put his uh, penalty uh, wide of the goal um again penalty wise I, I think it did look like a, a penalty then Grimsby came back to 2-1 uh, with Wilson. Uh, the the uh, Stockport players did uh, stop running, I will say, because they expected there was a handball. But look, I've got to say, you teach kids this on literally day yeah. one. You play to the whistle. Uh, but uh, Wilson was quick to react the ball, uh, to the ball in the box and then smash it home. Then uh, Houlihan scored in the 52nd minute for Grimsby. Uh, definite penalty. The keeper did uh, bring him down. Uh, and again, really nice, uh, take, uh, well-taken penalty to the bottom left and sent the keeper the wrong way. And then we're on to that man again, Louis Barry. Uh, look, the free kick, uh, there was a free kick played into the box. Uh, the ball was then headed back across the, uh, the goal. And on my notes here, I've put something which... I think was really key to Louis Barry's performance yesterday, but he was extremely brave for that ball. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he, there was a risk of him potentially getting injured with a player coming behind him, but, you know, he, he had full concentration wanting to go for that ball. Uh, I do think he must have got a little knock because he was rolling around on the floor for a little bit afterwards, but yeah. it was really brave from him for that goal. Absolutely. And it's actually something that I've noted down on here for, for the whole Stockport team. I, I, I kind of did a bit of a deep dive into some of their stats, and do you know what? Kind of similar to Warsaw, obviously to a to a large to a higher extent. Sorry for Stockport, but kind of similar. There's actually nothing really that standoutish, that extraordinary about their stats. There's no sort of one thing that you can necessarily pinpoint and say, "Oh, that's the reason they're doing so well." It's not a, "Oh, okay, well they're actually overachieving in that sense, but they're going to start falling down the table." There's no stats-based analysis that you can really do of Stockport to say why they're top of the league, apart from the fact that they've got more points than everybody else. But what it is, it's their mentality. Their ability to come back when they're behind or, or when a team has equalised and they, they can go back ahead. Their ability to kill off again. Their ability to hold out when it's necessary. They're able to do all of these things consistently and to a top, top level. It's evident in their last five, for example. They've had two, three, one wins where they've obviously killed off a game. They've had three, two in this one where obviously they went, they uh, had an equaliser scored against them and then they still managed to win the game. And then they had a one nil and a two nil. So where they're able to score and then shut up, shop and hold out. So the mentality that is in that Stockport side is of a top, top level. And there's no reason why at the minute that can't keep that means that they are just going to consistently if i can get my words out they're just going to consistently keep on picking up points and three points seems like what they're going to be picking up game in game out at the minute so okay i'm just going to throw a couple of questions in at you here um the first one really simple look are stockport serious title contenders yes it's, it's just yes I think I think I think that sums that up. Then let's move on to the next question. Uh, no, uh, first off, I've got to say um, before the season started, I wouldn't have said yes. Having watched a few of their games, yeah, there is something about them there um, that 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 I think 
Come May, they could be there, you know, lifting the trophy, uh, uh, trophy. I've got, I've got a feeling. Uh, so, look, I'm going to move on then to a, a question about Grimsby. Look, many Grimsby fans have been calling for Paul Hurst's head. Uh, but, look, personally, I thought there was a real lot of fight from that team yesterday. That didn't look like, to me, a team that were, you know, 20th in the league playing a team that were top of the league. For me, that was, a, you know, a really, really tough game. So, look, can Paul feel hard done by that, especially as this is such a tough league this year? I'll, I'll be honest, um, I don't think he can feel hard done by. I think, first of all, yes, they there was there is fight in them, but it's it's kind of pointless unless you can get the points as well. And it's you know, if you're not in the transfer window at some point, the only thing you can look at is your manager. Look, they've picked up points against some of the teams around them, sure. But they're not able to, I don't really think they're able to take the fight to the teams who you'd expect to be sort of 10th place or higher. You see the likes of Sutton beating Walsall 4-0. I just don't see a Grims, Grimsby at the minute picking up a even a small victory, let alone a big victory, against the side upper mid-table or better. I just don't see it happening. So for me, I don't think they'll necessarily be bottom two come May, but mid-table even seems a bit of far-fetched for them at the minute. So... At some point, yeah, there has to be a conversation about the manager. Well, there you have it. Some expert opinion there from Charlie. <laughs> uh, but look. You don't uh, have that... to laugh after saying the word expert. <laughs> well, I mean, well, technically. Te no, I technically, feel hard done by. <laughs> I say technically you're a League One fan. You know, I'm the true League Two fan here, just saying. <laughs> Uh, oh. But look, after that, that leaves Stockport really in first about, and Grimsby it? are in 20th. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, we'll be Premier League champions soon, us Jules, I'm sure. Um, but we're going to move on to uh, on to actually a, pro a, pro a postponed. Get my words out now. Postponed game. We're talking to quickly talk about the Mansfield Town uh, Forest Green game. Obviously, we know it was postponed due to the weather, and totally understandable. So, got a question. Uh, uh, even though the game was cancelled, why are Mansfield Town so hard to beat? I think the first thing is genuinely it's, it's quite a simple and reduc reductive way to look at it, but they're doing the one thing that nobody else in this league seems to be able to do, and that's defend. You know that they, they have conceded the fewest amount of goals with ten. You know the, the next is eleven with Wimbledon, and then it's fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. They're able to keep clean sheets, and that, that's what's keeping them up at this table. Now, don't get me wrong, they can also score, but they're about mid-table in terms of scoring. Upper mid-table, sure, but they're around mid-table. The thing is, if you can do one or the other, and not both, you're always going to find yourself up there. What Mansfield are able to do is they're able to have a mid-table level in terms of goal scoring, they're able to concede hardly any, let's be honest, and that's the reason. Now, I think, obviously, the question is they've had, what, eight draws and only five wins, there is then obviously a question of the fact that maybe they do want to be scoring a few more. But if you can keep it tight at the back and get the odd goal and get points based off of that, we all know from experience that in this league, that can get you promoted. And that's why Mansfield are doing so well at the minute. That leaves Mansfield Town in sixth and Forest Green are in 22nd. Uh, we're going to move on to... Uh... 
I'll be honest, I did watch this game, a very boring game. It, Barrow versus AFC Wimbledon, it finished nil-nil. Uh, Charlie, talk us through the game if you have any points on it. Uh, what's the next game we're talking about? No. <laughs> Look, it's first of all, let's just talk about the fact that I do believe, now I'm not 100% sure on this, but I do believe that there was a few issues with the trains yesterday that meant that Wimbledon fans who travelled up there struggled to get back down south after the match. Now, I've done Barrow away. I enjoy going to Barrow away, but my God, is this an arse to get to on the train. So if what I was hearing was correct and that Wimbledon fans were struggling to get back down south after the game, huge props to all of you guys for travelling up there. And it is sod's law that it was for a nil-nil draw. But to be fair, both teams did have some good chances. Both goalkeepers made some good saves. But I think a draw was perfectly fair. I think, you know, nil-nil, yeah. Potentially one all, sure. But I don't really... I didn't see one team be better than the other, dominate the other, look more likely to score than the other. I think a draw was perfectly fair. I think, you know, both teams could actually also probably be happy with a draw. I think obviously AFC Wimbledon fans would like to think they're going to be able to beat Barrow. But it's away from home. If you can get a point in your away games, if you can win your home games, that's the sign of a team up there. Wimbledon, okay, granted, they didn't win their home game last week, did they? But they got a draw away here. A point away from home is never something to turn your nose up at. And Barrow, it's a third draw in a row. I don't think they can be that dismayed. They just need to start learning how to turn those singular points into three on a match day. Uh, one of the questions I had written down here was, um, who do you think, Barrow obviously, you know, slightly, look, do you think, you know, do you think Barrow would have been more happy with the point there? Or do you think AFC Wimbledon would have been more happy with the point? I think um, that AFC Wimbledon as a club, and when they look back on it, they, you know, if people are trying to be objective, they'll be perfectly happy with the point. I also think some of the fans, it's Barrow, some fans, you know, they, they are a little bit st- they are snobs. We are all football snobs at times. And you turn your nose up, you think, oh, Barrow, yeah, they're beatable. But again, it's away from home. It's a long distance with all the uh, travel issues everybody had on Saturday. I think it's a really good point for Wimbledon away from home. And I think it's also a really good point for Barrow. I think Barrow are probably going to be the happiest set of fans in the short term. But I actually think that when Wimbledon fans look back on it, they'll, they'll realise that this was still a good point. Yeah, I mean, I actually, like you said, I actually think uh, Pete Wilde is, is, you know, a really, really good manager at this level. Um, I think he's done a real big trick at, uh, at Barrow. And, and look, I actually think out out of, um, you know, out of the two, personally, I think AFC Wimbledon would have been slightly more happier with the point um, away, you know, obviously away from home. Because uh, I think yeah. Barrow is a tough place to go to. It's a long, long old way, like you said, you know, you know, the fans have got a long old journey to try and get up there. Um, so to go there and, and, and get a point. Oh, it's back. That's fine. I thought it was going to kick me again then. <laughs> Just my luck. Um, oh my god, I forgot his name. Uh, so one second. Uh, Who are you thinking? Uh, the manager of um, 
AFC Wimbledon. Mark, uh, Mark Robinson. Yes. Uh, Johnny Jackson. That's it, Johnny Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Charlie, uh, another quick question then uh, <clears throat> regarding AFC Wimbledon here. Uh, is in charge, obviously, at the team there. Did you think this could be his chance to get AFC Wimbledon out of the league this year with the team that he's built there and the, the squad and the way that they've got them playing? I really want to say yes. You know, AFC Wimbledon had such a good history of, of promotions and getting up, and then obviously they they fell out of, of League One a couple of seasons back, and I would like to see them back in League One. But I just think that the league is a little bit too competitive. I think they've got a really strong squad. And I do think they're going to be in and around sort of that 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th sort of area by the end of the season. But do I think they're going to be strong enough to not only get into the playoffs, but then actually get promoted as well? I feel like that's one step too far in what is one of the stronger League Two seasons. So with that nil-nil result, that leaves Barrow in 15th and AFC Wimbledon in 8th. So on to our next game, Colchester United 1, Harrogate Town 2. So just to quickly talk you through the timeline of the game. So we had Cooper scoring for Colchester in the 62nd minute. There was a pull ball from Sam Fellaine, I believe it is, but a great finish. In the 80th minute, uh, he was not put under any kind of pressure. That he, the defence stood off him too much, and he opened up and he put it in the top bins. So, uh, obviously, Harrogate Town winning 2-1 yesterday. Did you manage to catch any of the highlights at all? I certainly did. Um, <laughs> Colchester are going to be really disappointed. Funnily enough, I'm picking up on it again. Defending! Um Seriously, can any team in this league just learn how to defend apart from Mansfield? But no, it was, um, yeah, they're going to be quite disappointed. However, I want to give a massive shout out to Falarin. He came on in the 58th minute for Harrogate and he ran the show. He, he was absolutely fantastic. He got an assist. He got a goal. He was on every single highlight. Uh, yeah, really, really impressive by him. Uh, and it was a really nice victory for, for Harrogate. They're going to be really pleased. But obviously, it wasn't exactly the nicest victory uh, or the nicest defeat for Colchester. Not that any defeat is nice, but it had a lot of um, sort of repercussions, didn't it, Matt? Yes, uh, obviously, for those of you who don't know and have been living under the rock these last uh, few hours, uh, Ben Garner has been let go from Colchester United after a run of four losses on the bounce. So, yeah, Ben Garner has now gone. Colchester United find themselves in a similar position to my team. Uh, so, uh, a couple of questions I did have written down, but, I mean, really, the first one would be from... Culture's point of view, who would be a good fit for the Colchester United squad? Um, you see, that's a good question. It's uh, you see, there are so many different people who somebody who I thought was actually a good fit for Colchester's squad was funnily enough, actually Ben Garner. I'm not quite sure about the sacking, if I'm totally honest. I thought that it was a little bit um 
to say premature, but at the same time, you know, they are struggling. So I can sort of see it. But again, I just feel like it's a little bit too soon. In terms of oops, I gone. Oh no no no! I was going to say I I I so I, I do a, a another podcast uh, on on a Saturday night after the Jules game and uh, my my uh, co-host last night suggested a name to me for Colchester United and I I've slept on it. Be. I've slept on it, and I actually think this would be a really good fit for Colchester United. Although it would kill me if it happened, and that would be Neil Harris. Yeah. I think that Neil Harris would, would be, again, a really, really good appointment for Colchester. But, you know, it, it's again, I think the bigger issue at hand here isn't who they get, but it's how long they're going to wait until they do. It's Saturday, Tuesday at the minute. We're in that kind of period. The FA Cup first round's coming up. Teams are going to want wins in that because that's what can earn you a bit of money progress and get a second round and then a third round and who knows. So therefore, teams Gillingham, Colchester, every single team, Bradford, every single team currently without a manager, Lincoln City for that matter, all need to get a manager in pretty soon. And it doesn't matter who Colchester get, whether it does be Neil Harris, and I agree, would be a good appointment. No matter who it is, it needs to happen soon. Yeah, I think that that timing for Colchester United is key because obviously they're they're currently obviously down near the foot of the table, and I think again when you look at their squad, it's not a bad squad. They have got some good players in there, and I think the right manager would be perfect for them. And this is why I said I, I kind of stepped on it last night. Looked at, you know the Colchester squad today, and and as my colleague said uh, last night on the on the other pod I do, he you know it would be a good fit whether Neil would want to do it. I actually personally think if any club he's going to go back to, it's going to be Millwall, uh, but it, it would be a good fit for, for Colchester United. So I've got to, going to move on to a question now about Harrogate Town and a player in particular who I'll be honest has underwhelmed me. I've seen him play live a couple of times uh, and that is Luke Armstrong. So obviously we we had the big news obviously in the uh, at the end of the transfer window he was potentially going to be going off to Wrexham and I thought before then his performances were seemed pretty good. But kind of since this move to Wrexham has failed to go, go through he, I don't know about you but for me he just doesn't seem to be the player he was, you know, two months ago. I guess there's a, you know, that there's a conversation to be had as to, let's just say, hypothetically, that because the transfer didn't go through last minute, that it's going to go through on the 1st of January, right? And if that is the case, he's not going to want to... We were talking earlier about Lou Barry being really brave and, you know, at the end of the day, risking injury to be able to get a goal. He's not going to do that, is he? And I know you say, well, players, they're, going to, they're the utmost professionals. They have to be professional. All of this, it's what they get paid for. And even if consciously he's still trying his hardest for Harrogate, subconsciously he's not going to risk, he's not going to overstretch that leg. He's not going to go in for that challenge that looks dangerous. Those little things, you're just going to be playing at 90% capacity rather than 110%, which is what you want your players to be. So there's, a, there's, there's always that kind of discussion of if his mind is elsewhere, his body's going to be elsewhere as well. 
Yeah, that, that's what I did want. I mean, like, I think uh, he only played 16 minutes, I think it was yesterday. He, you know, he's he's been re, re, more used as kind of a sub, obviously, for the last few games. So I kind of do wonder, like you said, if that's maybe a subconscious thing in the back of his mind. He's thinking mm. maybe I'm going to be gone in January, so I don't want to injure myself. But it's a bit of a shame because I thought last year he was, he was I think, the start of this season, he, he started off really, really well. But... Say so since see, the the failed move obviously uh, didn't go through. Yeah, I think his performances have definitely dropped off, and it's a shame because I think Harrogate are missing one hell of a player in in uh, Luke Armstrong there. But after that game, uh, obviously finished two uh, one to Harrogate Town. That has left Colchester managerless and twenty third in the league, and Harrogate Town are fourteenth. Uh, we're going to move on to Crawley Town versus Crew Alexander. Um, and wow, what a game this was. I think, you know, had I not picked this beforehand, that this could have potentially been our game of the day. Uh, Crawley Town uh, losing, unfortunately, 4-2 to Crew Alexander, who are flying high in League mm. 2 right now. Uh, just to do a bit of a timeline through the game. So Crawley Town got us underway in the 15th minute. Uh Lolus, Lolus. I'm not even going to attempt it, Matt. So you just go for it. <laughs> so, first off, I am terrible at pronouncing names. So I'm sorry if I've just butchered your name. Uh, but it was a lovely little knockback uh, and a lovely play shot into the bottom right hand corner. Crew Alexander then got one back with, uh, uh, I think it was Tracy, I believe, uh, in the 20th minute. A nicely uh, beating, the, beating the offside trap and then calmly placed it down to the keeper right-hand side. Uh, then Crawley Town took it back to 2-1 with Darcy scoring in the 28th minute. A cracking shot from about 30 yards out. It hits the left-hand post before rolling across the line uh, to the right-hand post and going in. Um, and to make it 2-1 at half-time. Uh, then uh, an unfortunate own goal by Conroy uh, gave Crew Alexander way back into the game. Uh, unfortunately, it just looked like he couldn't get his feet sorted. Uh, that took it to 2-all, and then Crew Alexander just turned the, the dial up to uh, 11. Baker Richardson scoring in the 75th minute with a lovely ball played across the six-yard area. No Crawley player reacting to it, and a very simple tap-in. And then in the 90th plus fourth minute, Nevitt scored uh, with a lovely control to take it around the goalkeeper and then slide it into an empty net. Uh, Charlie, did you watch the game at all? Have you seen any of the goals? Yeah, I certainly have. And <laughs> what is it with the amount of goals in this league? Eh? Honestly, it, it it always makes it enjoyable for us to record this, doesn't it? But, but no, it's uh, there were some really really nice goals in there. They, there was a couple of lucky bounces as well. I think you know the Crawley defence were caught out massively for Cruz's first goal. You know, it's, and that, and then there was a bit of a lucky bounce for their second as well. It's ultimately it was a really really nice game of football to be able to watch some good goals but again defenses have to come into question uh maybe i'm expecting so much at the minute you know maybe i should just lower my expectations on some of the defenders but now i think ultimately the crew are going to be really happy they're now on a really really nice run they're able to score goals you know well obviously again i've got it down on my notes defensively they do need to tighten up a little bit but they're not, I don't think they're anywhere near as defensively inept as others in this league that we discuss, even those that score a lot, like a, a Notts County or a Wrexham. I still think that Crew are able to shut up shop a little bit better than some of them. Um, Crawley, on the other hand, are going to be really, really disappointed. You know, that they've now lost three on the bounce. So what was actually a really, really positive start for them? Quite a surprisingly positive start, because 
uh, you know, many people, myself included, had them predicted a lot lower in the table than what they were after the first sort of seven seven matches or so. But this is now their third third loss on the bounce. They're going to be really disappointed. Again, like I said, their defence got caught out. They're going to have to sort that out. They're also going to have to try and break teams down a little bit better than what they have been doing recently. Um, there's a lot of improvements that can be made and that need to be made, but I don't see them obviously in any trouble, but I also don't necessarily see them being able to climb back up to the upper echelons that they were towards the start of the season. But crew, you know, again, I don't necessarily expect crew to be fighting in the top three by the end of the season, but I certainly think they've got a great opportunity to get into the top six, uh, seven. So, well, I mean, you've, you've pretty much answered a couple of my questions already. But you know what? Being a true pro that I am, I'm still going to go ahead and ask them and hopefully get a different answer. Um, so a couple, of the, a couple of the questions that I did have written down, though. So uh, one of them was that have teams started to work Scott Lindsay's Crawley out? Uh, you know, are they in a fourth position of 12th? Because as you said, many, many people had them sort of 24th, 23rd, you know, low in the league. Um they started off, they were flying. I thought he had this Crawley team working wonders. But, you know, as you said, they've lost the last three. So so have people started to work out how Scott Lindsay's getting Crawley playing? And and is it a false position? Um, I think 12th would be a little bit harsh to call it a, a false position, especially considering they've got a game in hand on many of the other teams in, in that position. And let's be honest, if they win that game in hand over, you know, they've got over Accrington, for example... And they can get themselves back up into seventh place. I think when you look at sort of their, their last five games, for example, obviously they've beaten Grimsby, as I sort of said. I feel like you kind of expect a team to be beating Grimsby that's up there at the minute. Uh, they also beat Sutton. Again, we've spoken about Sutton's sort of issues, um, both defensively and offensively. But then they lost to Doncaster. Well, Doncaster, we've already mentioned about the fact that they're able to pick, pick it up now with they lost to Wrexham. Wrexham are again now on a really, really good run after what was a bit of an indifferent start to the season. And obviously they've lost to Crew Alexandra, who are again having a really, a really, really nice run at the minute. Obviously that's back-to-back wins for them now. Uh, and obviously, again, you know, they're, they're in the automatic playoff, uh, automatic places for a reason as it stands. So I don't necessarily think there's anything massively to worry about with Crawley yet but I don't necessarily see them being able to climb back up to the area that they once were. No, no, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I, I think, again, with the with Scott Lindsay in charge, I think the everyone's idea of them think, finishing near the bottom, I, I can't see that at this moment, you know, and unless they were to go on an ultra, you know, terrible run of losing every mm. game, like 10-0, uh, yeah, I, I think they're, they're, they are definitely going to be safe come the end of the yeah. season. Um so my next question then for you, again, pretty much you've already answered it, but I'm going to still go ahead and ask. Uh, so at the start of the season that many people did have crew, you know, to struggle with, you know, in the league, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to be near the bottom, but, you know, to be sort of the lower half of the table. So what do you think has been their key to their success, uh, successful start to this season? Well, I think it's a multitude of factors, but I think the fact that they're obviously able to get goals in majority, if not all the games that they play at the minute, is, is a massive thing. You know, we've spoken about a lot of the defences in this league and Crew's another one where I, I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as some of the other defences, but they definitely need to try and strengthen it. But as I, as I mentioned with Mansfield, but it was the opposite way around. If you could do one, if you could do one at a very at a top level in terms of goal scoring or defending, if you could do one at a top level and the other one at a mid-table level, 
you'll find yourself pushing into the playoff places as a bare minimum. And that's exactly what Crew are doing. The opposite to Mansfield, they're scoring all the goals uh, and they're kind of mid-table in terms of what they're conceding. Obviously, Mansfield were a mid-table for scoring, but at the top of the league in terms of goals against. So if you could do one or the other, you're going to find yourself up there as long as your other one isn't so bad that it cancels out what you're doing good. And that's the thing with Crew. They are top goal scorers by three goals over Swindon, uh, which you know we'll get on to. But they've got a plus 11 goal difference. And if you've got that at this stage of the season, then, of course, you're going to be up there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been very impressed with Crew. I said watching them. I think they've, is it 14 unbeaten at home uh, mm. at the moment? You know, which is a, you know, and again, if you want to be up there challenging near the top of the uh, the, 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 the league, you need to mm. have a very, very good solid home record. And I believe that's the crew have got that. And look, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be automatics, but, you know, if they keep this form going, they're definitely going to be playoffs. I can definitely see that come yeah. the end of the season. So obviously, with that game, uh, obviously finishing. <laughs> Well, 4-2 to Crew Alexander. That leaves Crew in third and Crawley are currently in 12th. So we're going to move on to our second to last game. This is Southwood City versus Swindon Town. Southwood City to Swindon Town to in a to me, to you, to you, to me <laughs> game. Charlie, talk us through it. Well, look, it, it, it was it was very much like that. Um, I think, again, Look, it was a really, really nice first goal by Salford. That's one I wanted. I want to pick up on first of all because that was a really, really lovely finish. But Swindon again, a little bit too open at the back. Should I say that on again? Um, and then you know Swindon were then able to equalise and another really, really lovely goal. And it's something we're talking about quite consistently at the moment in this league. There's been some really nice finishing over this weekend, and this game was no different. There was then a red card. Now, there was a red card for a push in the box. Now, I don't know if you've had a chance to see this, Matt, because I'm just intrigued on your opinion on this. Now, for me, I felt a red was actually a little bit harsh. Now, slightly controversial, I, I am aware on that, but I thought that, first of all, the keeper may have been getting there anyway. Uh, you know, and we talk about when it's a last man foul, you ask whether another defender's getting there. In this scenario, the keeper was the defender. So I had a feeling that the keeper might have been getting there anyway. Uh, and also, it was a little bit of a shoulder merge in the back. It was hardly that bad. He kind of felt a little bit of contact and chucked himself on the floor, as far as I was concerned. Um, but what, what what's your sort of view on that one, Matt? I thought it was a last man tackle. Mm -hmm. uh, I did think he had his arms on him. I can understand why the referee would have would, uh, taken out the red card but yeah. also my argument was the goalkeeper was literally right there as well yeah. so yeah he might yeah. be in a last man tackle but I thought the goalkeeper was going to get to the ball first. Is it really anyway. last man if in that scenario the goalkeeper's acting as a defender which he was it, so I mean look uh, the, the one thing you've got to say in terms of the referee the referee has probably taken the letter of the law and literally those exact yeah. you know he is the last man bar the goalkeeper so he yeah. has to be sent off but I think like I say the argument there is I think use your brain the goalkeeper looked like he was more likely to get the ball first because of how close everything was mm. definitely a penalty but maybe a yellow card yeah yeah I, I exactly my kind of view on that, I've got to be honest. Um, so I felt that Red was probably a little bit harsh. And then Charlie Austin tucked away the penalty kick, which you wouldn't be 
you're not too surprised about. That was in the 85th minute. Salford probably a little bit deflated. 10 minutes to go, you know, if you include added time. Fans are probably thinking, well, we're going to struggle to get anything from this. But no, Salford were not giving up to the point where in the 95th minute they showed passion, they showed desire, and Liam Humbles managed to get that equaliser. An equaliser that they actually probably deserved on the balance of the game. I think a draw is a perfectly fair result for this game. You know, both had seven shots on target out of 15 shots. Uh, you know, it was 44% possession to 56. It was a really, really balanced game as far as I'm concerned. So I think a draw was perfectly fair. What's your thought on it, Matt? Yeah, no, I'm just agreeing with you now. I actually, um, I, I generally thought that before, you know, sort of before and during the game, that a, a draw here was going to be the fairest result. And when mm. uh, Charlie Austin scored in the 85th minute, I kind of thought, well, you know, Salford are going to feel really, really hard done by here because it was an even game. Um, yeah. But as you said, I, the, the Salford players, they never gave up. You know, never give up, never surrender. If any of you guys know that film reference, you are legends, but never give up, never surrender. Uh, and then the cross-headed, uh, obviously, um, you know, th- when, when the cross comes in, so it was cleared out, but, you know, he hits it on the half volley into the roof of the net. And, yeah. you know, you, you, I definitely, I, I felt for the, the Salford team there because I felt they really did deserve that, especially being down to 10 men as well. And to get it back to two, I think it was thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's ultimately a draw is perfectly fair in terms of the balance of it. And to be fair, I wouldn't necessarily say that either team are going to or either set of fans are going to be disappointed. I think Swindon fans probably would have taken a draw before the match. You know, if you gave them the opportunity of a draw away from home at Salford, okay, yes, Salford, lower mid table, but still it's away from home. I think most fans will automatically take a point. You know, Salford aren't exactly slouches when it when they're at home so it's a good result for them ultimately and you know they have been on a little bit of a run obviously i know they lost last week but before that that was a loss to Wrexham. but swindon again are going to be really really pleased it gets them a point obviously they've, they've had a little bit of an indifferent sort of recent form but it keeps them within touchdown distance of obviously Wrexham and then crew up in the in the automatics as well uh, and they've got a game in hand on all four teams above them. So Swindon are going to be really happy to still be sat in fifth place with a positive 11 goal difference. So I don't think they're going to be dismayed by that draw at all. No, absolutely not. Um, I'm going through, obviously, uh, I had a couple of uh, questions and I, I did want to ask you. So look, the first one... Um, Feels like I'm talking about owners quite a lot tonight. So this one <laughs> is going to be about the uh, Salford owners. Now, obviously, we all know Salford have got some uh, very famous owners, and mm. uh, obviously they've come along and they've put a lot of money into the club and they've managed to lift the club up into the league. But do you really feel that you know that, that these owners here, their full passion and pride is to get Salford to the Premier League, or do you kind of think it's more of a bit of a PR stunt for them? I feel like that's a little bit harsh if I was to call it a PR stunt but at the same time I feel like they're probably going to want or need to bring somebody in with maybe even a little bit of actual experience of being able to to run a football club let's be honest 
you know, they've got a minority owner, haven't they, if I'm not mistaken, a foreign businessman as well, who has got quite a large stake in the club. I, I, I've got a feeling that he's got a certain percentage, but his name eludes me now. But Salford, they are going to need something slightly fresh now if they want to push up. They can't just keep on doing the same thing and hoping that their name is going to attract players. Because now when you're in a league with, let's be honest, Wrexham and the name with the celebrity owners to attract players. So they've done what Salford wanted to do, but, but better. So at the minute, Salford are now this sort of celebrity B team. And that's not fair on them. And actually, they're going to need to be able to have a fresh outlook and a fresh sort of idea to get them pushed up into the playoffs to, if they ever want to find themselves into League One or higher. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, I, as I said, I do generally think, you know, that, that, don't get me wrong, I do hope that the the the, the former United players that are uh, currently in charge at Southwood do have the best club, the interest uh, of the club at, at heart, but it kind, of, yeah, it kind of feels like it's almost stagnated a bit. They did so well getting the team up there, but like you said, sort of Wrexham have now come in, you've also got, you know, you've got your big teams, you've got your Bradford, you know, even Swindon, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for instance, would be classed as a, a sort of, you could almost call a big team now. So, you know, do they need something else, uh, a bit of a, sort of a fresh input almost in, into the club yeah. to help them get out of this league? Yeah, I definitely think there has to be a fresh outlook sooner rather than later. You know, it's I'm not saying that they're now on some downward trajectory. That's, that's not what any of us are saying. But at the minute, it seems like they're relying on getting just getting a good season rather than building some kind of a sustainable model over there. And that's something they're going to need to do soon, soon if they're going to want to be able to not just push up, but actually sustain themselves up in the higher echelons of English football. Great. Uh, I'm going to move on to a quick question about Swindon. Uh, then we'll move on to, uh, we're going to have to move on to the final game, aren't we? Not that I really want to talk about it, but <laughs> let's move on to this final question. So Michael Flynn's of Swindon, obviously, uh, yeah, we'll get to this in a bit. Uh, our flying, uh, obviously, high in the league at the moment. But what, what do you think? Uh, you know, what do you think he's doing here at Swindon? That again, he's managing to get the best out of your players like Charlie Austin. Well, what I think he's doing is he's standing on in the dugout and managing something that Gillingham don't have. No, um, <laughs> a bit premature and probably a bit mean. Thank, yeah. thank <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. Well, Something that Michael Flynn has always been able to do, and it's some he was actually linked with Lincoln uh, a few seasons back before we got Michael Appleton. Uh, Flynn was heavily linked with us, and something that was heavily touted out about is his man management and his ability to be able to rile players for this common goal. And I think that's something he's doing unbelievably well over at Swindon. It's something that Swindon have kind of lacked at times. But what they've now got is they've not just got a good squad, but they've got a good manager that's able to get the most out of that squad, both physically, tactically on the pitch, but also mentally as well. So I think they're in a really good position at the minute and they are going to continue performing at this top level in League Two. Wow. So obviously after that result there, obviously, I, as I said, I think we both agree it was definitely a fair result. Finished out for two, Swindon two. That Southwood are in 16th place with Swindon in fifth. And that's it for the show. We're not going to talk about the last game because we don't need to. I don't know, uh, Matt. Well, so, so what's the final game that we're talking about, Matt? I'll, I'll take on the hosting duties for this because I'm going to really enjoy asking you questions. So, Matt, why don't yeah, you give us on, a time? Why don't you give us a timeline of events of what happened in the game between Gillingham and Notts County? Uh, oh, <laughs> so the. 
Gillingham lost 2-1 to Notts County. And look, in all fairness, uh, I think Notts County were definitely deserved winners uh, of that game yesterday. So, uh, uh, obviously, Matt Langstaff scored in the 38th minute, uh, crossing to the six-yard box, which uh, he beats his defender to get a nice tap in and beat Jake Turner in goal. Uh, our cheat code, though, Gillingham's cheat code, Scott Malone scored in the 52nd uh, minute. I don't know if, Charlie, if you've managed to see this goal, but that ball somehow sticks to his feet. He beats about four players in the box and then manages to curl it into the bottom left of, uh, of an unsighted goalkeeper. Uh, it was he's, a got, great goal. he's got super glue on his boots, I'm afraid. I think, you, you, I think you've been cheating. Yeah, definitely. Well, he is our cheat code. Well, I do I do refer to him as our cheat code in, in League Two. And, now we're uh, and, then, and then an absolute thunderbolt his first goal i believe for Notts county um was it macari i believe is is how you say his name is sent in the 78th minute absolute thunderbolt i do believe jake turner might have got a slight hand to it but i mean it was moving at such speed you know no one was stopping that um it was a goal deserved of winning the game and uh, i said i do generally believe Notts county were the, the the better team uh, and uh, from a Gillingham point of view, uh, obviously, yes, I am a Jules fan, so I can quite happily say this. Um, we looked leaderless. You know, we, we, yeah. you can tell we, we don't have a manager. Um, uh, no, no, nothing about, you know, uh, our, our interim manager at the moment. Um, Keith is, is, is doing, I think, you know, an OK job. The players do seem to respond to him, but we're missing that leader on the site on the touchline and um i think it was you know i can see um, you got something to well, say no, or... I'm, just wondering, I'm assuming your assistant caretaker whatever word you want to use wasn't even in the dugout this weekend was he following the red card last week what's the situation there ah so um we have video evidence he has come out to say that he didn't even touch the player so he has been basically i think given a slap on the wrist uh, and uh, we are it's, we are repealing it because we are repealing it. He was allowed in the dugout for this game, uh, but basically, yeah, you can see he he he's saying he's got video evidence uh, where you can see he goes for the ball. The player just is nowhere near him and falls over. Right. So, so what's clearly happened there is they've decided to appeal it to make sure that he's allowed in the dugout for today, in the hope that you'll get a manager by the time that they come back from the appeal. Yet we know your tricks. You, First of all, cheating players. Now you've got cheating. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, to be fair, if any other team had done it, I would be saying exactly the same yeah, because it's my yeah. team. No, no, everything was above board. It's all okay. <laughs> but um, look, uh, Notts County, I, I think they, they've really, they've shown uh, in, in these sort of these 13, 14 games we've, we've had this season so far, they have shown that they are going to be a real contender. I got to see it yesterday. Got to say, Matty Langstaff uh, with his goal celebration, sticking his tongue out to the rain of men, did rile a few of us up. Um, but there is something I want to say on this podcast, which I think is is really, really important because I don't know if you heard about the incident that happened near the end of the game. Uh, yes. So... Look, guys, we all pay our money. We all turn up to, you know, to be able to go and see these matches. And yeah, do you know what? I, I don't mind if you want to say something, if you want to swear at somebody in the crowd, uh, in, in, uh, one of the players or anything like that, that's absolutely fine if you're in the crowd. The one thing I implore you not to do is don't be throwing stuff like vapes. Don't be throwing stuff like coins at, you know, at players because these are going to hurt. And 
ultimately what it's done is it's given Gillingham a bad name. Now, as a Gillingham fan, I can tell you straight away, if I had spotted any of them doing that, I would have reported them straight away and hope they get banned for life because for me, then that's not true fans of football. But guys, when you go to these games, look, these guys that are on these pitches, 22 people running around on the pitch, they're human beings too. You know, they, they've got feelings. If you throw something at them and it hits them, it's going to hurt. Just don't do it. Why? Why? You know, I'm I'm laughing, but but I just don't get what makes people want to do stuff like this. I don't know if you've ever been involved with anything sort of like that, Charlie. If you've ever been at a ground where anything like that has happened, but you know, the referee had to stop the game for three or four minutes there, and I actually thought at the time we were sort of starting to maybe get a bit more foothold in the game, and it completely killed the rest of the game. Yeah, I um. <laughs> Funnily enough, I remember one incident specifically as a Lincoln fan uh, away at Gillingham, um, and it's you know, I, you know, I very much repeat what you're saying. It's not every Gillingham fan. It's not one fan base. It happens in so many other fan bases, but there are you know these incidents. They shouldn't be happening in football. So I very much echo all thoughts that you said, Matt. In just people, just. Enjoy football, enjoy listening to these podcasts, enjoy going down the pub, talking football, not talking. I wonder which arsehole through through that because it's just not yeah. necessary. Yeah, you know what? Look, and look, I've, I've said it, you know, before. I, I honestly, I don't care if you want to go and you want to swear at a player and call him all the names under the sun. Most players have, have developed a thick enough skin to be able to repel that. But they've not developed thick enough skin to repel vapes being thrown at them or coins being thrown at them. Um, and, you know, for me, I always say, I always come back to the saying of these guys, they do this kind of thing. They're not real football fans. And for me, you know, just as important as is important as it is, you know, like kick bases them out and, and all stuff like that. But this needs to stop as well, because ultimately, you know, if Gillingham ended up with a points deduction after this and we missed out on the playoffs by one point, with the guys in the stand, it's that it's there to blame. Not not the players on the pitch that have worked hard. It'll be the guys in the stand, and I, I think a lot of people just don't seem to get that. No, absolutely not. And I feel like sometimes people believe that you know because they do pay the money that they're allowed to say or do whatever they want in the stands. And I agree. Look, I'm the exact same as an expert. If you've not chanted calling the referee a certain name that begins a certain word that begins with W and rhymes with banker. Look, we all do it, right? But there are certain lines that just cannot be crossed and things like that. There's, there's just there's no need for it. It ruins the experience for not just the players, but actually every other fan when, you know, sometimes we talk about the unity of football and that's not showing any of that, is it? No, not at all. And, and and actually, the one thing that really irritates me about this, um, obviously, I sit in the rain amend. The incident happened in the rain amend. I sit right in front, and it was near the back. But I turn around to look up at the back where sort of the 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 Gillingham massive, if they want to be called, all stand up, and there were kids there. Yeah, and kids are watching you do this, and obviously, if they think that it's you know you you can do it, it's okay for them to do it. And if they start doing it. When's it going to end? So, guys, look, go to the games, enjoy the games, but keep your coins in your pocket, keep your vapes in your pocket, keep your phones in your pocket, just enjoy the game, rant and rave and say whatever you want on social media. Honestly, I, I'll read all the comments. I love that. That's fine. But 
please just let the players play football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we shouldn't let it take away from what was a brilliant weekend again of League Two football. No, look, this is, is again, we, we've said it last week, we say again, I think in terms of an advert for League Two football, pretty much every single game, look, even the Paro game, uh, the 0-0 was, was a good game. There were, there were good games mm. there. And um, look, at League Two football, I think, is, is probably its, its peak that uh, it's been in the last sort of 10 years from what I can remember. And, you know, when you're looking at it across the league at the moment and you're seeing, you know, the fact that you've got, you know, a team that are, you know, top of the league with 29 points. And then you go down to a team that are in uh, 20th and there's only sort of, they're on 14 points. It's not a massive difference between 20th and top of the league. You know, it's a few wins here or there is going to take you up there. So it's a great advert, I think, at the moment, seeing seeing these games going. And, and for those of you that are League One, for those of you that are Championship, please, you know, go and watch some of the highlights from League Two because there's some brilliant football being played. And for me, you know, lead to football is 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 just just great. Well, after that game, uh, obviously Gillingham are in ninth. Notts County are flying high up there in second. Um, guys, look, thank you. It's been a bit of a longer one for you. It's just been me and Charlie on, but we've had lots to discuss, lots we to have. talk about. A couple of managers going, uh, a chairman deciding he wants to give up and uh, get out of the country and go live his best life in sunny Marbella. <laughs> That's where I think I might go because it's quite cold in my room right now. Mm. But, but thank you so much for uh, listening, guys. We will see you next week uh, on the Real FL podcast again. Thank you so much. See you soon. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.